Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. Welcome, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here live on WYSL, so you can give us a call. I'll give you the 866 number today, 866-552-1009. That's 866 866- Five five two one zero zero nine. You always call that old five eight five number two five eight five three four six three thousand. If you live in the Rochester area, again we're live until one p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the conversation or leave your comments online. We're streaming on a free solution, the Facebook page, a free solution, the YouTube channel, the Kevin Wilson Facebook page, and Kevin Wilson Twitter today. So any of those places, you leave your comments, I will see them here on the live broadcast. If they're good, I'll put them up on the video uh, for those of you listening online, and I will read them out on the air. Uh, shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and WENI, the Patriot, down in the Southern Tier as well. Appreciate you all being here. We love you too. All right, so today, I've got all that out of the way. Today, we are talking about Rochester's Police Accountability Board. So just to give a little bit of a recap on what that is and what's going on here, the big news item is that the appeals court in New York said that the Police Accountability Board can't have disciplinary powers anymore. So that was an appeals case that came through on Friday. And again, just to recap what this is for those of you unfamiliar and why, and I'll put this in context, why this is important for the rest of you folks listening across New York State too. This isn't just a Rochester issue. This, I think this ruling is going to mean a lot for you know, other city governments that are trying to do the same thing and how they structure their police accountability board and how they make sure that they Keep police accountable versus the rights of police officers and unions in those districts. So I think that this this has a lot of impact. So just to go over what this is again is the Rochester Police Accountability Board kind of came into existence. Well, th- there's been a sort of police accountability board for for a little while. There's been a, you know, a civilian review board is what they used to call it in Rochester, and uh, that would just review cases but have no disciplinary power. They could say, we think that X, Y, and Z happened, even though we're not able to subpoena things, we're not able to um, uh, meter out any, any actual discipline in these cases. We think X, Y, and Z happened based on witness reviews and and. You know, depending on how cooperative the police departments were, you know, you might get some perspective from them, too. So activists in Rochester back in back before the most recent Black Lives Matter stuff happened. So this is back in 2019, uh, they got together, got a ballot initiative out and worked on creating a police accountability board that was uh, had a bit more teeth. Right. So this this police accountability board would be able to actually have subpoena power would get a budget to be able to do investigations and then would be able to actually dole out discipline by themselves to police officers uh, if they found that they had violated someone's rights or had acted inappropriately in the line of duty. So that the idea was that this third party, this thing outside of the, the policing system would be able to actually discipline police officers if they acted inappropriately, right? 
Now, obviously, the, the local union, the Locust Club, they, they ain't too happy about that, weren't too happy about it at the time. And the mayor actually opposed this plan, too. She wanted to uh, have it so that uh, the, the mayor, the executive branch of the city of Rochester, was the one doing the disciplining, right? Because the mayor appoints the police chief, and then the police chief is the one who can you know, actually discipline the officers if they act inappropriately. So that, that was the mayor's opposition. This is, again, Rochester politics, but the mayor thought they should be able to do that. There's a lawsuit at the time. They almost didn't get through, almost didn't even get on the ballot. But it did ultimately end up on the ballot in 2019, and it was very popular, something like 75% of the vote was in favor of the Police Accountability Board. Uh, I voted for it, too. I, th- I thought it was a, a good idea, uh, and I still do. Um, but they they were able to get that through at the time. It was a ballot initiative, very popular. Uh, and, you know, a little bit later, maybe maybe in the second segment of the show, I do want to talk about, like, well, you know, what, what, what does this ruling now mean for democracy in the city of Rochester? And, and should we subject this type of stuff to democratic votes like we like we did with the police accountability board i think that that's worth discussing too so i've kind of given you all the background on that that's the history it was uh the locust club not too happy about that they they sued and basically they say well this violates existing collective bargaining agreements between the uh, local union, the the Locust Club that represents the the police officers in the area and the city of Rochester, and police officers can't be punished without following the same structure of the collective bargaining agreement, right? And so they took that to court. They won. City council uh, paid for an appeal, and now it looks like uh, the the Locust Club won their challenge there too. It, well, the the you know Locust Club police officers, etc., saying that. It goes outside of the collective bargaining agreement that exists, and and so the judge basically said that there um, that local law number two. Um, well, I'll, you know, I'll read the whole thing. Says, there is no dispute that the police discipline process created by local law number two was never subject to collective bargaining. In uh, its in local law number two is the police accountability board stuff, and it's irreconcilable with the police discipline process set forth in the governing collective bargaining agreement. And so this was uh, Judge, let's see, what's this guy's name? So this was up in the appellate court, Judge, uh, Supreme Court Judge uh, Justice John Ark was the guy who uh, wrote this ruling, right? And so this has gone through, this has been, you know, it's a, a thing that had been going on the last couple of years. This law passed back in 2019. Uh, and, and basically, it's in violation of the Public Employees Fair Employment Act, also known as Taylor's Law. And so the interesting thing about this is that this this law, Taylor's Law, gives a lot of protection to public employees, including police officers. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that I like that. I don't – I'm kind of opposed to – public employee unions. And I know that's going to make a couple of you mad, but I, I don't really like when government employees get a lot of special protection and have the ability to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be abrasive here, like loot more of the public uh, treasury. It, it's it, unlike private sector unions, which, you know, are collectively bargaining for safety and, and uh, an appropriate share of, you know, whatever profit is. There is no profit in government 
the profit doesn't exist is only stuff that has been taken from us. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of public sector unions. I get working together to advocate for your rights. But in the case of police unions in particular, uh, I've got some issues with them because what ends up happening in a lot of these cases is police unions, which have kind of been around about like 70 years or so, uh, they are able to work together, get these special contracts, and then it becomes nearly impossible to fire actually bad officers. This isn't just about protecting the rights of police officers who have been falsely accused. It becomes nearly impossible to fire actually bad officers. So untangling the law, untangling the, the police union power, like is a pretty critical component of keeping get actually bad police officers accountable. And I'm not against all police. And I've said that before. I'm not I'm not against, uh, you know, every cop. I think most police officers get in this for the right reasons. They want to help people. They want to com- keep their community safer. They want to do the right thing. And that's why they they took this job. So if you're a police officer, I'm not I'm not attacking you, but when you have officers who abuse their power, who got into this profession for the wrong reasons, who do things to hurt people in a road community trust, there needs to be some way to keep those bad guys accountable. There needs to be some way to say, no, no more. This guy or, or girl cannot, this man or woman cannot be on the force anymore because it makes the good police officers, it makes their job harder. And so when I look at the police accountability board uh, thing in Rochester, I think this is a mechanism for do that. This is a mechanism for being able to build public trust again. When something goes wrong, you don't have to think like, well, this shady backroom process that exists between the unions and the city means that bad cops get to keep doing what they're doing, and we never know what happens. There needs to be some transparency. There needs to be some third-party objective source for being able to look at these situations and say, did something bad happen? Do we need to like discipline this officer in a certain way, or do we need to do something else? So, oh, well... Oh, got a comment from Tim. Tim, of course, who is now our Thursday host from radical liberal to radical conservative in one paragraph. I love the Libertarian Party. Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go <laughs> I'm going to go all over the place with this. That's what the Libertarian uh, movement is sometimes is sometimes we sound like radical conservatives and sometimes we sound like radical liberals. That's what freedom's all about. So we we take the 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 freedom and liberty uh, loving parts of the the well, not really progressive, not progressive. The, the liberal and, and conservative movements, we bring those together. We advocate for freedom all the time. All right, so thanks for joining us here on The Free Solution. Uh, I think we're, uh, we're about out of time for this segment. But when we come back, I'll continue talking about the, the Police Accountability Board. I'll keep talking about uh, you know, how we hold officers accountable, maybe some better ways of doing that. If you want to participate in this discussion, give us a call, 866 866- Five five two one zero zero nine or five eight five three four six three thousand. We'll be back with more on a free solution in just a few minutes. A free solution. 
Welcome back to A Free Solution. Uh, I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're live here until 1 p.m. on WYSL. So give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 866-552-1009. That's 866-552-1009. Call that number anywhere you want. Love to have you participate in this discussion. We're talking about uh, the Rochester Police Accountability Board today and different ways that local governments, grassroots activists, etc. can can hold police accountable when they do bad things. Again, you know, I'll, I'll qualify the heck out of this to say that I don't think all cops are bad. I, I really I really don't. I, I have met quite a few who are passionate about their job and want to keep people safe. Now, they, I think it's worthy of criticism to say, you know, if you are watching your colleagues do bad things and, and not speaking out and not stopping them, then yeah, man, you, you got, you're going to catch some flack for that, and that, that's understandable. And, and frankly, uh, if you're watching s- someone do bad things uh, and, and letting them get away with it, you deserve it. I get I get the terror. I don't get it. You know, I'm not in it. But I, I, I understand that a lot of police officers are afraid to speak out when they, they see bad stuff happening because they could lose their jobs too. Their, their colleagues could turn on them. But we need to create a system that allows for a certain level of accountability when bad police officers do bad things. I don't think that's unreasonable. Rochester attempted to do that. Other cities are attempting to do that too. I think Albany has something similar. And and the trick is going to be, you know, how how are they able to 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 do that effectively and ensure that there is uh that something will happen if there's evidence to suggest that they violated someone's rights because there's a lot of avenues that are cut off for accountability, right? Like a lot of times it's uh difficult if not nearly impossible to sue police officers who have uh, done something wrong sometimes you'll get settlements out of courts but it, it's difficult to do that uh, because of qualified immunity and to, just to do a review of qualified immunity this is a supreme court created doctrine essentially that makes it nearly impossible to sue public employees who are doing stuff in the course of their jobs, even though the the original law that this ruling was based off of was intended to do the opposite. It was to, to hold public employees accountable when they violate someone's rights on the job. Basically, what qualified immunity does now is that unless a public employee like a, a police officer or anyone else for that matter uh, does something that violates someone's rights – that has been specifically documented as a constitutional rights violation in the past, you cannot sue them. So and, and I, when I say specific, I mean like very specific, like the circumstances have to match exactly the same. If the police officer did something slightly different, even though it may have hurt someone, even though it may have maimed someone, even though it may have killed someone, then qualified immunity might apply and they might be able to do uh, – they might be able to not sue this police officer for that case. So a lot of times it's – not as easy as you would think to take someone to uh, civil court to to sue someone for for this situation, and and that is for sure part of the solution that uh, I think we we need to look at for this. Um, and I will take a comment from Will, who left the comment online. He says, "My dislike of the accountability board is that I'm afraid they will always find the officer guilty despite anything to the contrary." I mean. I don't think that's true. And, and in fact, this was a, a big point of contention when they were creating the board is is how do you make sure that the voices of police officers are represented and, and that you aren't going to just have like this activist group that's going to say, 
yep, every every complaint that comes to us is going to uh, result in the police officer being found guilty of you know whatever he or she is accused of. I, I, I don't. I think like the worry is really the opposite, right? Right now there are far more complaints than there are actions. Uh, the, that was the, the case with the civilian review board, um, and and right now the the process is so, so lopsided in the other direction where complaints go unaddressed. We may never know. And, and the good thing about the police accountability board is that when you get these really serious complaints, um, when you have an actual investigative team, someone is not just internal affairs, but like someone else who's investigating, trying to get to the truth. The police accountability board does not want to just. At least I would assume we we could get bad actors on there, right? There there are people on there who are probably anti-police. But the point is is that they have to follow a process too. They're supposed to be creating a disciplinary matrix for police officers, which may still happen despite these lawsuits. They still have investigation power. They still have subpoena power right now. They just don't have disciplinary power. That That's the only thing held up. The, right now, by the way, the, the Rochester City Council has uh, allocated $5 million to the Police Accountability Board. And, and normally I don't support spending money. Like I, I don't want to spend money on everything. But if you're going to have government agents who are able to use violence against people, I think it is worth – if you're going to have that you know, in general, right? If you're going to have the, the those type of people employed by your government, it is worth spending the extra bit of money to make sure that if they use that violence inappropriately against the population, that there is a neutral forum for accountability to be investigated, for, for uh, violations of rights to be investigated. Like sustaining that level of government gets expen- expensive. If, you, if you're going to concede that, what we need these – you know, violent uh, government agents to use violence to enforce laws, then you need to have the next step in that is, well, if they act inappropriately in doing so, how do we make sure that they don't continue being able to do their jobs and continue being able to hurt people when enforcing laws inappropriately? So that's that's my whole take on that. I don't like spending money, but like this, if you're going to have police, I think it's worth spending the extra money to, to do this thing. Now, so back to, to Will's concern, though, that, that the officer will be found guilty. Well, the point of having the investigative team, in my opinion, is you're going to be able to go out and collect evidence. It's the same way, like, initially there was that, that weird opposition to uh, body camera footage, right? So there's a bunch of people like, oh, well, like, what if this results in, you know, the, the police, um, you know, getting accused of doing a bunch of things, which I thought was bizarre. It's like, well, don't, don't do rights violating stuff on camera. But but a lot of times like that body cam footage ends up showing that the officer acted appropriately, that whoever they were talking to, going after, that they needed to do what they needed to do to keep themselves or others safe. And we saw that with uh, – I'm kind of creeped out by how many cameras we got, but I think there's a an incident that happened either late last week or over the weekend in Rochester where uh, the police accountability board ended up, I think, investigating this thing too. And, and if I got that wrong, someone someone leave a comment for me. But basically there is a, you know, kind of a, a a viral story going around Rochester where police were like just beating up this guy in the street, right? Well, it turns out it looks like that guy was in fact holding a gun. And when they were kicking him, they were kicking a gun out of his hand. But, you know, from 
one initial look, it looked like, oh, they're just beating this guy up. Like that's, you know, what like some of the, the cell phone camera footage showed. But yeah, after it was investigated, they found out, well, well, this this guy had a gun. The police officer trying to get that gun out of his hand, which is a totally appropriate thing for police officers to do. And so having body cam footage, having like an actual investigation done, you know, kind of makes the community feel better about police actions too. Because then it's not just the Locust Club or the police chief saying, yeah, trust us, we did the right thing. Here's this third-party group, the Police Accountability Board, saying, no, we did an investigation. We're neutral. You, you can trust us. Or neutral to, like, even people perceiving them as anti-cop. And if they say, well, actually the police officer totally did the right thing here, then the community can be like, okay, cool. Instead, what ends up happening now is that these complaints happen. Nothing gets done about them. It goes into, you know, a black box. You don't know what happens. And you're like, I heard that the police just beat up this random dude in the street. I don't know what happened here. I heard the police just shot and killed this guy who did nothing wrong. I heard that the police, you know, like harassed and assaulted, you know, so-and-so who lived in a neighborhood down the block from me. And then you never hear what happens. But if you have an objective source, like the Police Accountability Board, who's able to, to look at this stuff, investigate, and either determine a level of, you know, responsibility for their actions or saying that, oh, the police officers didn't do the right thing or did do the right thing here, that is better for community trust. Then people trust, like, when I make a complaint, it's actually going to get investigated. And you're not just shouting into the void. Because that's that's where you get, like, real anti-police sentiment, too, where, where you feel like if, if a, a bad cop does something to hurt you or one of your neighbors, that nothing will be done about it, then you're not going to call the police. You're not going to trust them. That's bad for our community. I think that this type of stuff helps. Okay, when we come back, I'll continue talking about the Police Accountability Board. And I want to get to what does this mean, not just for Rochester, but what does this mean for all of New York State, uh, holding public employees accountable, all that stuff. So thanks again for listening. Give us a call if you want to participate, 866-552-1009. 866-552-1009. We'll be back with more from a free solution in just a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we're live here on WYSL, which means that you, the listener, can give us a call at 585-346-3000 or 
Our 800 number 866-552-1009. Shout out on the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in York and WENI, the Patriot, down in the southern tier as well. Appreciate y'all being here. And our friends listening online on the Free Solution Facebook page, a Free Solution YouTube channel, or one of the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening. Thank you for being here. One more follow-up comment from uh, Will Phillips, who is commenting online, too. says, trust would be earned by the PAB, Police Accountability Board, if they can show fairness. I really like the body cams for this, too. It proves trust, as well as bystanders videoing what they see. Yeah, all that's important. Um, and, and it would be – I think the, the Police Accountability Board is, is – does need to prove itself. It needs to show that it's going to be fair. Um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they move forward with showing that with the more limited function that they have given the uh, the recent court ruling. So, I mean, it's not, again, it's not going away. We're still, we're still spending money on it. It is a government program after all. Um, and, and it would be good to see, since they now have, you know, a hired staff plus like uh, several appointed board members, uh, how they end up doing moving forward, uh, and if they they also earn the community's trust. And it, again, it's it's kind of a, a two way balance, right? They need to earn the community's trust in two ways: one, not over disciplining officers, and two, not under disciplining officers. They need to do both, and they need to make their reasons transparent. I think that is totally fair. And uh, another comment from Mr. Thomas Daniel Queter friend of the show on the PAB I believe it is important to ensure our officers act appropriately as those who do not make good officers look bad again absolutely agree with you uh Mr. Queer uh, a if you have unaccountable bad officers on the force it makes the good officers look bad in front of the community and it makes it more difficult for them to do their job too and again I I'm sympathetic to cuz you know I know again, uh, folks who who are either police officers, who are family or police officers, who get bad accusations. I think the police accountability board does a good thing for them too, when they get accused of wrongdoing in a tough situation because they often run into violent, unstable people in the process of doing their jobs. They run into people who are on the worst day of their life, and sometimes they need to take action to save themselves or to save others. And it is understandable that, you know, they can get frustrated when those accusations are able to run wild and there is a political response either in the court system or in other disciplinary actions, which can come from, you know, police chief, which uh, police chiefs, by the way, in in many cities, because they are still appointed by, uh, you know, like mayors and other folks, like they are – a political position too, and that's something important to understand. And they are subject to political forces in in a different way than a police accountability board might. But having that process, neutral, good due process, transparent, can be helpful in showing that those police officers who did act correctly uh, shouldn't be punished too. It, it, it can be a two way street. That's what it is. And it's it's, it's going to be funny because it's going to frustrate some of the actually anti-police activists when they see police accountability boards like not disciplining officers or, or not saying that their actions warranted discipline, however it turns out to be. It's going to be a two-way street for this. You're going to get both. But, but I do think, you know, situations like 
so not in Rochester, but you know, we, we saw this happen last week where there is a, a police officer in Arkansas who's trying to pull a woman over for speaking or for, for speeding, and she turned on her hazards and it was it was not a safe place to pull over. There wasn't really a big shoulder. Put on her hazards and drove for a couple minutes till she could find a safe place to pull over, which is what you're supposed to do, right? And that and that's something for both the driver's protection and for the police officer's protection. If you, you pull over in a spot where the shoulder's not big enough or it's dangerous, you know, and the police officer has to walk out into traffic, that's dangerous to them. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that for, you know, yourself either because you could get hit from behind, but someone's not paying attention, especially on a, on a dark night like this woman was. Now, the police officer thought that this woman wasn't pulling over quick enough, and this is a, a state trooper down in Arkansas. So he did a, a, a pit maneuver. He, uh, oh, what's that? Pit, pit stance or something. It's not, not an actual thing. It's the uh, precision immobilization technique. Basically, they, they drive up, hit their back bumper, back tires, and it, it can turn and disable a vehicle. In this case, the pregnant woman driving, uh, the, the officer did a pit maneuver on her, flipped the vehicle. Could have killed her. Didn't, but could have killed her. And this police officer is still on the job just because this woman didn't pull over fast enough for him for a speeding violation. Like that type of stuff. That's the type of stuff that drives people nuts. That's the type of stuff that makes people think like, wow, this is uh, this is crazy inappropriate. How can this officer not be disciplined? In those extreme cases, there ought to be some third-party group, like an accountability board, that looks at this and says, did the officer act appropriately in this situation? Did the officer you know, act in a way any reasonable person would? That's a question worth asking. And if the officer acted unreasonably in this situation, what's the recourse? They fired from their job? They reprimanded? Did they get a warning? Is there a recommendation for criminal charges if they, they hurt or kill someone? What's the recourse? And just because you are a police officer doesn't mean you should be able to break the law. You should hurt people without there being consequences. Again, recognizing that there are extreme situations where defense and violent actions are appropriate. If you do that in a non-life-threatening situation like that, the public wants you to be accountable. If if you're gonna, and, and I, again, I, I've said this, there's, I don't, I try to be very careful when I look at these situations. Now, I, I'm not going to give you hot takes anymore. I, I've made some mistakes with hot takes. Uh, I, you know, with, with that one guy who, you know, turned out to be, oh, I'm trying to remember his name, is Jake something. Uh, it, I, I've made some hot takes and, and, and gotten gotten stuff wrong before. So I, I'm not going to, that's why I didn't talk about this story last week because I had to, to read up on it, make sure I was getting the right thing. But you, you see these stories across the country, public employees, government employees, particularly the ones who are given the ability to to act violently they're they're given governments are given a monopoly on violence in that situation they need to have a higher level of accountability than average citizens a higher level not a lower level and what police unions do oftentimes is erase that accountability they create so much bureaucratic entanglement that it becomes impossible to kick the bad guys out to to bad police officers I keep saying bad guys, but men and women who are abusing their position. We need to have that. It's important. And there, again, there are a couple of different ways that we can do this. One is the police accountability. So putting this in context in New York State, 
different towns that are looking at this mechanism are going to have to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, if we do have a police accountability board, we have to remove those teeth. They can't, it can't have disciplinary power on their own. The, whatever disciplinary power is going to have to come through recommendations from these police accountability boards and then acted out by probably a police chief, right? And then that process, as of right now, will probably still have to go through whatever union is representing those police officers in that area. Again, that's going to be very frustrating to folks, but that's that's probably the only recourse right now. And, and my hope is that as these, these boards kind of continue to get more power, and I think they do need more than just the ability to take complaints. They do need subpoena power. They do need the ability to investigate certain high-profile, oh, yeah, you know, high possibility cases, a high, high possibility of like a, a rights violation occurring. They do need the, to actually be able to investigate those. If they have that, they're able to, to do that, show all of their findings. You can't hide it in any way. And, and we have the new law in New York State where police disciplinary records are open to public scrutiny. And I know that's controversial too, but I think that's on net good. But open that all up and, and be able to see like what would actually happen here. Did the officer act inappropriately? Did they or did they do the right thing? That is how you build community trust by opening things up, not not closing it down, keeping it secret, creating mistrust and creating opportunities for people to speculate wildly about what actually happened, because that's when things get a lot more dangerous. That's when you build that mistrust that makes it so people don't want to interact with the police or people won't call the police, even in situations where it actually makes sense. And that type of frustration, that anger, builds up to actual anti-police sentiment. And that's what we can circumvent here by having another group do that. And, and when we come back, I'll talk a little bit more about what my, one of my solutions to this. And I, I talk about this every time, folks, but I'm going to keep talking about it until one of the New York State legislators start to take it up. So when we come back, I'll talk about solutions to keep police accountable even outside of the Police Accountability Board. Uh, yeah, I think I've made pretty clear I'm in favor of this. But if you have other solutions, too, I want to hear from you. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000 or 866-552-1009. We'll be back with more from a free solution in just a few minutes. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad you're able to listen here, again, live on WYSL until 1 p.m. Or listening a little bit later in the day, WACK out in New York, WENI, the Patriot down so here. Appreciate you all listening here as well. And our friends listening online on the Free Solution Facebook pages, Free Solution on YouTube, or on the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening. Thanks for being here today. And again, we're talking about police accountability, police accountability board. Just the, the, the event was that the Rochester Police Accountability Board lost their appeals court case. Uh, well, the yeah, they, they had lost their, their appeal uh, in New York State Supreme Court. And now they, they no longer have the ability to discipline their officers. So, so what's next? You know, how do you, how do you make sure that, you know, the bad police officers who are doing bad things to violate our rights because again remember that police officers are the ones that enforce some of the laws that like we as conservatives and libertarians don't like to the the ones um like gun laws for instance uh the maybe the mask laws you're not a fan of remember they they enforce that stuff too they 
They, they enforce all those things. Even if they don't like it, that's literally their job. And if they hurt someone in the process of enforcing those laws, whether the laws are good or bad, they hurt someone inappropriately, then, yeah, they, they should maybe not be a police officer anymore or face some sort of discipline or face criminal charges, whatever it is. It's appropriate. Now, there is a sort of free market solution that I think could do something good for this, and I've talked about this before. This ain't this ain't going to be news to longtime listeners of this show uh, or longtime fans of our Tuesday host Larry Sharp, who's also talked about this. Is there's a a way to make sure that police officers who are routinely subject to these types of complaints uh, have another check on on their ability to come uh, continue performing their job? Is that they need to have professional liability insurance? Not new to longtime listeners, but if this is your first time hearing this, take a listen because I think that this is something that would probably even work better than a police accountability board, which is subject to all sorts of other stuff, is that just like doctors and other types of professionals like contractors who need to have professional liability insurance because, well, they could screw up on their job. Doctors can screw up in any number of ways. They have to have expensive insurance. Uh, Contractors can also screw up the job. If if they're building your house, you want to make sure they're doing it right. And if they mess up, then someone needs to pay for that screw up, right? So contractors have to have that too. Lots of professions need to have professional liability insurance to do their job. Police officers do not. Now, what ends up happening when a police officer is successfully sued is they're not sued individually. What ends up happening is that you sue and that's a you know that's where qualified immunity comes in, right? You can't sue the officer individually. You sue the police department or you sue the city. And then the city ends up paying the bill for this. And they have insurances to do that sort of thing, but it's a collective insurance, right? And oftentimes that settlement comes out of taxpayer money, or the insurance to do that comes out of taxpayer money. So people like me end up paying if a Rochester police officer screws up and hurts someone. I don't want to have to pay for that. I would rather that officer or the insurance company insuring that officer to pay for that instead. And the reason why I say that this is an ability to keep people more accountable is the insurance company, well, this ain't exactly a secret, guys. Any insurance company, no matter what product they're selling, they want to make money. They want to make a bunch of money. So they will take your money and kind of gamble that they're not going to end up spending a bunch of money before they make a profit off of you. That's that's the hope, right? So they will take whatever the premium is, and, and the hope is that collectively they're going to be paying less for that. Car insurance companies do that too. Now, if you are a driver and you get in a bunch of accidents, your insurance goes up. Eventually, if you get in enough accidents, even if your license isn't revoked by you know, the state, the insurance companies will say, we're not going to insure you anymore. We can't insure you. You're, you're too expensive. You're going to have to go with someone else. And that same level of market accountability could happen to police officers too. If you require every police officer to carry professional liability insurance, this can even be partially funded by you know unions too, assuming we, we keep unions around. Uh, I'll, I'll try not to be too aggressive in this, but assuming we keep unions around, they could even you know pay for part of that as part of your union dues as they pay for your professional liability insurance. But that insurance is tied to the individual officer, not the entire police department. Now, if that individual officer does nothing wrong, never gets complaints against them, or never gets found, you know, guilty of violating someone's rights, they're a low risk, they, that insurance will be relatively cheap. Their insurance, their premiums aren't going to go up because they're low risk. 
they're, the, the insurance companies aren't paying out. Now, if the opposite happens, they get a ton of complaints, they have to, to do payouts, or they do stuff that is, well, w- would certainly be illegal for us average does to do. Well, then the insurance company is going to say, well, this person's a risk. If we want to continue making money off of them, we're going to have to raise their premiums. It's going to get more expensive. So it will be expensive for that police officer to continue carrying professional liability insurance. They're going to have to pay more out of pocket. Or maybe the unions do it. Well, if the unions do it too and they, that officer starts becoming more expensive, they're going to put more pressure on them to get together. Or say, hey, man, we can't pay this anymore. You, you need to, to not violate anyone's rights, not get us any payouts, or we can't afford this insurance anymore. And eventually, you'll also come to a point where if you have enough violations, if you have enough payouts for your actions, that insurance company will say, you know what? Not even worth it anymore. We can't, we can't insure this man or woman because they are too much of a risk. We are paying too much for this. So they drop them. They drop their coverage. That officer no longer is in compliance with their job. They can't work as a police officer anymore. That is a way for the market to hold police officers accountable for their actions. It's something we expect in many other professions, but police officers kind of get special treatment in that sense. That, and because they're public employees and because they have unions doing this, the, the advocacy on their behalf. That is a way for markets to hold people accountable. To say, we've looked at the data and we can't sell you this product anymore and you need this product to continue doing their job. The insurance companies would probably love this system because they're going to make a bunch more money off of professional liability insurance. Good for them. I don't have a problem with people making profit off of this stuff. I don't, I don't care. Make, make your profit, whatever. And the public is going to like this because that is an extra check. We don't have to hope that a city council, mayor, police chief, all these groups subject to political forces are going to be holding police officers accountable for this stuff. You know, because you, I mean, let, 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 let's be honest about it, folks. Even the, the most pro police people out there have got to recognize that sometimes you get departments that are corrupt and that are allowing their officers to do bad things. This is a, another check. This is a market mechanism check on this. It's objective. The insurance companies aren't going to care about the politics of your region, they care about making money. That's it. And there is a certain beauty to that that I like. It, do, it doesn't matter. They, they just want to know they can make a profit off of this. They don't care about what the officer's history is. They don't care about uh, anti-police stuff. They're going to be pro-police because they want to make money off the police. They're not going to support defunding police departments because they want to keep making money off the insurance. This is a way for individual officers to be held accountable, not by, and I, and I don't think this is the case in Rochester, not by politically charged chief of police, not by a politically charged civilian rude review board or police accountability board this is a way for the market to work on our behalf in fact i'd love to see this everywhere everywhere we can get i mean that that's my i'm gonna go on my libertarian to anywhere we can get the markets to hold government officials accountable to work on behalf of the people that's a good thing we should be doing it more and i and 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 for those of you who are inclined to this type of thing too it would drive the leftist crazy. Oh, it would drive the leftist crazy to say, like, we're going to have more market mechanisms for keeping government officials accountable. It would be, oh, it's going to be so fun to see them do that. So if that's the type of thing that, that drives you to, great. If you, if you, if you want to you trigger the left, this is going to trigger the left, too. 
just a bonus, just a cherry on top for me. It's not what's important to me, but cherry on top for some of you, I know. So so start talking to your, your, your legislators about this thing. I think this is an idea that could have legs if we workshop it a bit. Thanks again for joining us on A Free Solution. Thanks for joining us on our talk with uh, about police accountability board stuff today. Uh, Larry Sharp will be in tomorrow on Tuesday. I'll be back on Wednesday. Talk to you then.